there! Welcome to Let's Talk About Podcast. I am Sweet. And I'm Lisa. We continue our talk with Elise, who moved from Sweden to Portugal three years ago. In the previous episode, Elise shared the challenges she faced during COVID-19, told how she turned her passion for travel into a career, and offered tips for avoiding the pitfalls of high-season travel. In this episode, you'll learn even more about Elise and the Algar. Let's hear about the cultural differences Elise has noticed between Sweden and Portugal. My name is Elise and I moved here from Sweden. Um, but the culture in Sweden is quite different to any other culture in the world, to be honest. We think that we are the norm <laughs> and how we do things is the normal things to do things. Uh, that is not true. Uh, we are the one who's a little bit different. But it's, it's all about mindset. And for me, the biggest challenge was the organization part. And in Sweden, we are in time for meetings and whatever, and we plan for that. And after maybe a two, two months or so, I realized that if I don't let go of this planning and want everything to be in time and everything is scheduled, I will either end up in a mental hospital or die in a heart attack, or I just need to change my mind. So I changed my mind. And when I had made a decision, it was so much easier because every time I need to stand in line or wait for someone that is late or whatever, I just use the time to maybe just enjoy the sun or check the emails. So instead of feeling that, oh my God, now I'm going to be late and I need to be in the line again and why don't they hurry up and stupid people, I just see it as extra free time for myself. And it's also a planning thing. In Sweden, I could easily plan to do, you know, six meetings in a day. In Portugal, you plan to never ever more than two things <laughs> the same day. And then you have a plan B list. So if you still have time, you can do more stuff, but never plan for more than two things. So I think that was the biggest challenge for me. In Sweden, we are very um, straightforward in our communication and I am probably in, in the edge of that culture and Portuguese people are very calm and very polite and very you know they are not so uh, loud <laughs> so sometimes I need to adapt because people get a little bit afraid of me another thing that I can be very annoyed about in this culture to be honest is that If you ask a Portuguese person to do things, they say, yes, I will do that. And then they don't. And it took a while for me to understand that people are very friendly and they don't want to say no. They want to help out as much as they can. And they really do. But it's also if you talk to a, a plumber or someone else that says, yeah, we are coming that time. And it's like they don't. And then you call and, and say, yeah, well, you said you should be here now. Well, yeah, I know I said, but then this happened and this happened and it's like, oh. so it's, <laughs> it's, uh, that could be annoying. Portugal are a very modern country, but in some ways they are also 20 years behind. For example, when it comes to management and leadership, 
it's still very few leaders that is actually working with motivational leadership and understand how to get people want to do the work instead of forcing them. This can be a bit frustrating for me sometimes because I expect people to act different than they do in my professional context, for example, sometimes. I just need to adapt to how it is here. The biggest problem we have in the Algarve is the situation we are creating for the Portuguese people. There is a lot of money coming in to the Algarve, investors buying properties, and most of the people who comes and lives here have so much higher salaries and much more money than the Portuguese people have. So in the Algarve, it's more or less hopeless for Portuguese normal family to find an apartment to rent that they can afford. This is a struggle to be one of those expats who can afford a little bit more, even if COVID made me broke. Uh, I still can earn more because I have my own company. And we need to respect and understand that the Portuguese people are in many ways pushed back from their own countries uh, because of all the people who's moving here. So one of the things I tell my relocation clients is I tell them about the salaries. I tell them about this, this problem. And I say to everyone who wants to invest in a bigger uh, property to rent out apartments, for example, that, you know, yeah, rent out three of the apartments and earn as much money as you can during the summer. But maybe you should have one of the apartments for long-term rent for a Portuguese family. If every investor could have that mindset and do their little part, it would make a big difference. I don't have a bad conscience myself uh, because I, I know I do whatever I can, but sometimes I feel a bit guilty of being one of those expats who's coming here and in one way taking away the places for the Portuguese people. At the same time, most Portuguese people in the Algarve lives from the tourists and expats, so it's a, it's a balance, it's a balance. There is a lot of good companies and I have choose to be very niche for people who have the option to have a private guide and something special and something um, out of the ordinary. Most of my clients are very open-minded. They just want to see wonderful things. So I can create road trips that works time-wise and depending on where they have their hotel, for example, for, for pickup. But I also do a lot of road trips where they might have a special interest. If they are very interested in history, I choose to go more to historical places. I, I'm good at interviewing people and make them tell me things about themselves that I can surprise them with a little bit. Another thing that I do and that is always included in my road trip is my luxury picnic. People are often... They want to go either to a, a Portuguese traditional restaurant, which is nice, or a very fancy restaurant. Uh, in my road trips, you don't go to restaurants at all. Instead, I take them to a wonderful view somewhere, and I set up a nice picnic with furniture, with wine, with local delicacies, sandwiches and stuff. It's still traditional, and everything I serve have a purpose. So I tell them about it. Often I have picked the fig myself or made the orange juice from the oranges in my garden and stuff like that. The feedback I get is that my picnics is the most wow in the whole thing. 
because it's so few people who take their time today to go to a beautiful place and have this kind of luxury but simple lunch outside with this view in the nature. People are stunned by them. Uh, it, sometimes I get the on, uh, get the question if they can get a lower price if they don't have the picnic lunch. And I say, no, <laughs> the picnic lunch is not negotiable <laughs> because I know that they will love it and they do. Uh, I tailor every road trip regarding what a client's interests are, what kind of clients it is, what kind of people it is, but also where they are staying. If they have a hotel in Tavira, I plan the road trip so they get as much as possible on, on the time instead of taking them further away. So everything is tailored. And if I have a road trip for six hours, which is my normal concept, together with all the planning, making everything with the picnic because I make everything myself, it's around six to eight hours on top of the six hours I'm actually in the car. For my relocation clients, it's a little bit different because I have an interview with the clients, mostly online because they are 95% of my clients are Americans or Canadians. So I have an interview with them. I ask them about everything, what could be important when they are looking for a new location. And I don't work with real estates at all. And then I create a road trip and take them to places that are matching their lifestyle and their needs. And the funny thing is, back to what you find about the Algarve and Portugal when you Google, every client I have had, every relocation client I have had, when I have the interview, they say, yeah, we want to see Lagos and Tavira. And I ask them, so, okay, why do you want to see Lagos and Tavira? Yeah, everyone says it's so nice. Yeah, of course. People who have chosen to live there, of course, they think it's nice. It's their choice. It doesn't say anything about you and if you want to live there. <laughs> so it, it's actually very few of them who ends up in Lagos and Tavira <laughs> because I, I show them other places that is more matching what they are actually looking for. And this is also a difference between just have a, have a rental car driving around yourself random and having a relocation guide that actually have put in hours and hours and planning to show you places that is matching your needs, your personal needs. So I put in a lot of effort and, and this is how I want to do it. Uh, I, I don't say that guides who's working with the same concept all the time, it's nothing wrong because it's a lot of people who want that. But I have choose to do something top notch. And that is also why my prices are a little bit higher than many other tour guides' prices because the value I give is also higher. And this is why I have fuller respect for people who can't pay that amount. I couldn't pay that amount myself. <laughs> so I'm niche. And to be a guide, I have a lack of sense of location. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but I have taken many wrong turns and I have found many fantastic places. If I see a small road, I just go there and see where I end up. And sometimes it doesn't end up anywhere, but sometimes it's end up in the most beautiful view and it's nothing there. It's just silence and nature. So I think this is the most unique thing that the Algarve offers, all the untouched nature. The policy here is that building a new hotel or resort or 
any development is very restricted. As you might know, if it's not already some kind of construction, a building, a house on a land, you can never ever build anything like it. And it's also, it's not legal to own a piece of, of the beaches, for example. So this have created a tourist destination that is full of untouched nature. Compared to Spain, for example, where it's buildings everywhere, it's hotels everywhere, and they are building houses and, and tourist apartments and everything everywhere. That doesn't happen here. It doesn't really matter where you choose to have your base in the Algarve. A 10-minute walk or 5-minute with car will take you out with no people if you want to. The wilderness and the untouched nature are everywhere, and that is the most unique thing. And this is also what I wish more people could understand. They don't need to be in the crowded places all the time. They can just, you know, go away for a while and there's no people. Some of my wow spots that I go to is some of the most amazing views in the whole Algarve and people don't know about it. And even if I come there high season, if there is five people there, it's crowded for me <laughs> because normally I'm, I'm alone. And I have met many people and also for myself that when they move to the Algarve, uh, their health is getting better, the stress is less, and they actually don't do anything to make that happen. It just happens because the, you have air here, so to speak, both physically, but also mentally, you have space. Uh, you have the option to relax in silence if you want to. And our society, where it's so much going on all the time and people are throwing information on you all the time through the phone or whatever, the human brain is not made for that. We are not made to live in the society we have created. This is why the life in the Algarve feels healthy, even if you don't change your life that much. And then, of course, you have very healthy food and, and good vegetables and stuff for, for less money and then in many other countries, so that helps also. But there is, there is something in the energy and the spirit here that is healing. It sounds, it sounds a little bit crazy, but there is something here that makes people feel good. A little story is, that, that says a lot about the Algarve is it was a group of three women, also Americans. When I go up to Monchique Mountains... I take a very, very small road that almost no one apart from me are using. <laughs> and they started to, to make fun of this and said, so how, if you should describe this, this road to someone, it should be like, yeah, well, you turn left where you see the donkey and then you follow the small road until you see a teepee tent in the valley to the right. <laughs> and it, it, it's actually like that. And it says a lot about my road trips. People are sometimes very afraid <laughs> because we go on these small roads. <laughs> but it's uh, afterwards they, they love it because they know they see things that most people don't have the option to experience. I probably know the Algarve more than many people who are born in the Algarve. Uh, but it's still also a lot of stuff I don't know. I'm an honest guide. Uh, I say to people that if, if you ask something and I don't know the answer, I will tell you I don't know. I can look it up. 
but sometimes I don't know. And I can imagine it must still be hundreds of places I don't know in the Algar, which is frustrating. <laughs> there is always a new little road to see and uh, and everything. And I have started to explore also Valentesho now a little bit more, which also is a wonderful area. There are several really good blogs and other things about Portugal that I read and then I follow and where I steal things, of course. Uh, My Guide Algar, for example, is is a great place uh, to find good information, Uh, but also other travel bloggers and different different guides uh, on different websites. It comes back to once again to just avoid all these top 10 lists and go for the other ones. One time I googled hidden gems Algar just to see what I get. And I can tell you, they are not hidden at all anymore. <laughs> so uh, this is also a bit tricky for myself because most of my places that I go to, most people don't know about it. And I, I would like to keep it that way. At the same time, I need to do marketing for my places. And if I put up pictures, people ask, oh, so where is this? And and I don't want to be this uh, sneaky one who says, I'm not going to tell you. So often I tell where, more or less where it is. But one of my favorite places is the Barajams around the Messinesh, where the lake, so to speak, the dams, that, but it looks like wonderful lakes. And I have a specific little beach where I go to, and there is no people there. So I never take clients to that place. I take clients to other place <laughs> because I don't want the clients to show up when I'm there in private. To start uh, in the Algarve, I should say go to Castro Marim in the very eastern Algarve. It's a lovely small village with a huge castle and it's very hidden, like Silvesh. People know about Silvesh. But Castro Marim is much smaller, but it has also a very, very interesting history. So in the Algarve, I should say Castro Marim. Um, I also love a small village in the northeastern Alentejo that is called Marbao. It's a small village up on a cliff and the castle is highest up on the cliff and it, you can't describe it. You need to be there. It's amazing. And to feel all the history and to see the, the 360 view, miles and miles, it's wonderful. And then I should say, when it comes to eating out, Avoid all the restaurants that looks nice. <laughs> and it might sound a bit crazy, uh, but that is the truth. Because if a, re- a restaurant looks nice from the outside, it's a restaurant made for tourists. If you're lucky, the food is good. Most of them is good, but not as good as the price say it should be. So it's overpriced and it's not as good as it could be. Instead, you walk like two, three hundred meters from the sea into the small, the small streets and look for the small Portuguese family restaurants. They look like just a hole in the wall. They have probably not any, you know, fancy furniture and stuff outside. They might not even have a good sign of the name of the restaurant. But the food is amazing because it's made with love. And you get so much food, so you need to take a doggy bag with you and you pay half of the price. This is something that is important to understand about the Portuguese culture. They don't care that much about the surface. 
they care about the good things in life. They care about the family, the good food, and what I call the real life. So uh, go for the places that doesn't look that nice. It's my best, best advice. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram for updates and behind-the-scenes content. If you want to know more about traveling within Portugal and hear more stories from expats, follow us and don't miss our upcoming episodes. Ciao! Ciao.